I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. Following the Hamas offensive last Saturday, the Israel-Hamas conflict continues to escalate. Israel has been launching a relentless series of airstrikes in Gaza, and the total casualties on both sides have surpassed the grim milestone of 2,000. And while the battlefield expands and ideologies take shape, a new weapon has come into play: cyber attacks. Hacktivist groups around the world have joined the fight on both sides, following procedures that were actually established during the Russia-Ukraine war. Utilizing leaked information and launching DDoS attacks, which involves overwhelming servers with junk traffic, hacktivists are targeting government portals, media websites, and critical digital infrastructure. And if we were to believe cyber threat researcher Will Thomas, cyber attack groups siding with Palestine, such as Killnet, Anon Ghost, and SeedSec, are mainly based out of Russia, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Morocco, and Iran. Now, one of them, specifically Anon Ghost. Reportedly targeted the Israeli missile warning app Red Alert, sending fake strike warnings. While anonymous Sudan targeted the Jerusalem Post, Israel's leading English newspaper, and the newspaper was apparently inaccessible till Tuesday. And Thomas, whom I quoted before, also claimed that he saw over sixty websites attacked, with half belonging to the Israeli government. This is in line with a recent report by Microsoft, which claimed that the Israel was the most targeted country for cyber attacks. And while there are fewer hacktivist groups supporting Israel, those that do, such as Team UCC Ops, appear to have their roots in India. Could you have predicted that? Perhaps it shouldn't come as a surprise, though, especially given the vocal support for Israel on social media by some Indians. But anyway, the Indian Cyber Force, which reportedly targeted the Canadian military following the recent India-Canada controversy, claimed to have attacked the official Hamas website and a telecommunications company. Along with other official Palestinian platforms, now this in turn led to pro-Palestine hacktivist teams targeting India for supporting Israel by attacking Delhi government and AIMS portals. Though the Times of India reported that the websites were successfully defended by the Indian Computer Emergency Response Team, and while in other news, the cyber wing of Hamas has reportedly stolen four crores from a Delhi businessman's crypto wallet. Isn't that wild? But anyway. All we can say is that in this digital age, even warfare knows no borders. For the next few minutes, you're going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology, business, policy, and anything that leaves you with food for thought. Hello, I'm Anaswini, and this is the deep dive for October twelfth, twenty twenty-three. Singapore. Which is often called Asia Switzerland is in a bit of a pickle. The island city, which one professor dubbed as the premium place for premium businesses, is renowned for its zero tolerance for crime and commitment to clean governance. And just so you know, it's ranked as the fifth least corrupt country on Transparency International's Corruption Perception Index. Moreover, the island city aligns closely with the libertarian free market idol, where businesses and billionaires. Face few questions when setting up offices or parking their wealth, but lately Singapore's reputation has taken a hit. A citywide raid in August that uncovered what could be the world's largest money laundering scam has tainted the city's image. And well, 
people are now talking. So in August, more than 400 police officers conducted raids across Singapore and rounded up 10 suspects, accusing them of forging documents and laundering money from scams and illegal online gambling. Singapore's police have reportedly seized assets worth $2 billion. And you know what's the most intriguing part of this? All the 10 suspects are of Chinese origin. And some of them are even wanted in China for crimes including offshore online gambling. The unraveling of this scam has also raised questions on Singapore's institutions. The suspects had relationships with Singapore's financial institutions and authorities alleged that the banks didn't do enough to wed their dubious clients. And more importantly, and do pay extra attention here, one of the suspects has been linked with Singapore's famous single-family offices. Now, in case you don't know what is a single-family office, well, think of it as a company designed to handle the wealth of filthy rich families. It's like having a team of finance and investment experts in your backyard who help you decide what you should do with your money, where you should invest it, how you should handle your assets, and if you will, your so-called family office will also design a neat succession plan for you. And by the way, billionaire Mukesh Ambani has also set up a family office branch in Singapore. But anyway, moving on, now that you know what the scam is and you know what a family office is, it's time to discuss the implications of this entire situation. You see, Singapore, a city with few natural resources and a tiny local consumer market, saw its fortune skyrocketing as it molded itself into a financial hub. In a region beset by political uncertainties, Singapore has had a reputation for tolerating neither crime nor dirty money. So naturally, this $2 billion scam has tainted Singapore's clean image. And the government as a result is tightening the very rules that make it easy for businesses to set up their bases in Singapore. Reportedly, the government is forming a committee which will focus on how to prevent corporate structures from being misused by criminals. And additionally, the government will also go strict on the family offices. And for your information, according to a Mint report, over 8,000 Indian companies have set up their base in Singapore. And well, for those businesses, startups and even billionaires who move to the city-come-state due to its lower taxes, business-friendly environment and the freedom to invest in the other jurisdictions, this new development means that they will now have to face the burden of additional compliance costs with the proposed tightening of financial regulations. And well, I'm not the only one saying so. From Singapore's parliament, Minister Tio also uttered the words of caution. And I'm quoting her here. If we make the rules too tight, then it is the vast majority of innocent applicants who will be unnecessarily penalized. If you like listening to The Signal Daily, please show us some support. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this podcast. So feel free to shoot an email at hello at the rate the The Signal Daily is produced in association with IBM. The episode was written and researched by Dhruv Sharma and Anoop Sembal. Edited by Dinesh Narayanan. Produced by me. Mastered and mixed by Manas and Nirvan. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. We are the signal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.